Hey, business building warrior, welcome. It's another episode of Silent Sales Machine Radio, and I'm so excited that you joined me today to spend a little bit of time improving your e-commerce income streams. If you're new around here, this podcast is dedicated to helping you use the internet creatively to launch and grow multiple streams of income, starting and emphasizing the Amazon opportunity, specifically where 99% of all of our new students start is what we call the replens model. And we've got hundreds of success story interviews with students who have taken that exact path. And we love interviewing them on this podcast. So a couple of times a week, you can hear great interviews with the successful students from our flagship training course that's called the Proven Amazon Course. You can go to provenamazoncourse.com and see details. It's the highest rated Amazon seller training in the industry, by far more success stories than anyone. It's actually the oldest course as well with the largest team working on the content, keeping it updated, new refreshing ideas coming in constantly. It's a library of many, many different ways to make money on Amazon, but we start off with the same basic foundational training for every new student, and that's the replens model. And that's a lot of what this podcast tends to be about as our successful students following that course, like I said. But today, midweek, Wednesdays or so, once a week, we like to bring on what we call Coach's Corner. And this is a chance for some of the coaching team leaders in our organization, some of the coaches, to talk about their business. Because if you didn't realize it, our coaching program has been around for 20 years. Currently, we have 60 coaches on our team. I have the same coaching director today that I started with 20 years ago, Nathan Bailey, and we've got coaching directors as well. We love bringing them to the stage, putting them in the spotlight, having them create content, do presentations at our live events. So a lot of the people that you saw, we had 40 breakout sessions at our most recent live event. A lot of the people that you saw on stage and leading the breakout sessions were the coaches on our team who all have a couple things in common. If you've never heard me describe it before, this is how we've built our coaching team. Step one, they have to succeed wildly with the concepts from the proven Amazon course. They started out as a brand new student, maybe just like you, had never done any e-commerce before at all. Came into our community, got into the proven Amazon course, started to succeed. Maybe they got a coach, maybe they didn't. You don't have to have a coach. You can certainly speed up the process, however. But they started to demonstrate competence and success with the models we teach. And then they also demonstrated they had a teacher's heart. They just loved pouring into others. They understand the abundance mindset of our community, meaning we don't see each other as competitors. We see each other as fellow business building warriors who are there to support and help each other grow great businesses. I think that's the strength of this community. Thousands of people with that attitude. That's a pretty powerful Facebook group. It's free, actually. You can come join us and see for yourself. There's a link at silentgym.com. Spell Jim, J-I-M, that's me. Silentgym.com has a link to our free Facebook group. You can see our coaches and all of our 73,000 plus students and others from around the world using the internet creatively to launch and grow multiple streams of income. But our coaches, those two things they have in common, remember I just mentioned, they've succeeded wildly over an extended period of time with their own business using the models we teach, and they've got a teacher's heart. Today, we're going to meet one of those guys. You're going to meet Grant Douglas. He did a great presentation at our most recent event talking about how to ramp up your business quickly as an Amazon seller, and he's interviewed by two of the coaching directors on our team that many people have come to love and appreciate and enjoy. Of course, I'm talking about Brian and Robin Joy Olson. They do our coaches' 
corner episodes on Wednesdays. So I say all that just to get you up to speed in case you're new around here. If you've been around a while, you may have known some of that already, but you're going to really enjoy hearing about Grant. He built a seven-figure Amazon business very quickly after the church where he was working had to make some cutbacks during COVID. Remember, a lot of churches were closing down and uncertain, and there were some pay cuts that affected every industry, including ministries. So he went and started his Amazon business at that point in time, and it has since completely flourished, changed the financial future of his family. And he describes what he sells, how he finds it, how he's built his business, what this community means to him, what it's like to coach. And yeah, he's available as a coach right now. It seems like every time we bring one of our great coaches onto the podcast, their schedule kind of fills up pretty quickly with new students. So if you're listening to this right as you hear it, right as it's released, that might be a good time to say, hey, I heard that episode with Grant today. He really, I really resonated with him. Or maybe Brian and Robin Joy, or maybe some of the other coaches that we've interviewed through our other episodes. Call our coaching office. There's a link again at silentgym.com to our coaching offers. Have a conversation, see if it's a good fit for you. We're very proud of the fact that we've had 10,000 students over 20 years go through our coaching program. Just an incredible number. We're doing it right. We're creating success stories. We're interviewing those stories on this show every week. And if you're ready to take your business seriously, take it to the next level. If you've got the margin in your life, which is one of the things we love to talk about around here, are you mentally, physically, meaning you're, you're not sick, so sick that you can't start a business, right? mentally, physically, emotionally, even relationally? Does your spouse think you're crazy for trying to start another business? Well, you need to ramp in nice and slow and bring them along. You don't want to be fighting them the whole time you're trying to launch a business, right? Are you financially positioned? Do you have a little bit of margin, a little bit of extra space in all those important areas? If so, well, hey, we've got a business model that's going to work out really well for you. We've taught it to many, many people. ProvenAmazonCourse.com has details, or if you want to go faster, Go to silentgym.com, check out the coaching offer there. And now let's turn the microphone over to two of the great coaching leaders on our team and their guest today. You're going to enjoy this episode. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Silent Sales Machine Radio. We are your co-hosts. I'm Brian. And I'm Robin Joy. And this is Coach's Corner. Today, we're joined by a special guest, Grant Douglas, who we're going to do a Coach's Spotlight on today. Welcome to the show, Grant. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Always excited to have uh, coaches on. And I would say uh, we've been looking forward to this one. Unfortunately, we were just together a couple of weeks ago back in Ohio. We had a couple of sessions that conflicted with yours and we're still catching up on the rest. So I'm really looking forward to what you're going to share with us today. But why don't you start off by kind of giving us a little bit of background of how you got started in the Amazon business? Sure. Yeah. So I'm relatively new to the Amazon space. I started in 2021. And so just a little over two and a half years, I first started just as a backup plan in case I was going to to lose my job. You know, it was during the times of COVID where we saw, you know, a lot of jobs and different spots where I kind of saw the writing on the wall where I thought that might happen. And then it did happen uh, two months later in March. And my wife was also pregnant at the time with our third kid. So, I mean, it was a very hectic, stressful time. I had a friend that did Amazon. Uh, on the side. And so, you know, I, I personally loved my job that I had, I got to work from home. And especially once COVID started, you know, having really flexible hours, and I wanted something that did the same thing. And I heard that Amazon did. Let me jump in there and just ask, what was that job? Uh, I was in ministry. And so, I mean, during that time, there are a lot of a lot of churches that 
uh, were downsizing and struggling yeah. with attendance. And it was, it was the same thing for me. So, so yeah, so I left, I, I left that. Well, the good news is I was um, allowed to stay on for four more months and I was guaranteed pay through July. Uh, luckily they still extended that to August. They asked me to stay on an extra month. So I had this full-time um, pay that I had to replace and had uh, was able to work on Amazon kind of on the side with all of my extra hours until I, I had to leave my job. And then uh, by that time, I was making full-time pay and the rest is history. So uh, so here I am now. Wow, that's, that's a pretty uh, great story. <laughs> what was your strategy of choice or method that you were using for Amazon? Yeah, so I, uh, you know, now I've I've done a little bit of everything, but really in the beginning, the thing that spoke most to me was OA online arbitrage, just because you know I so my my son was born mid March, and so I wanted to be home. I wanted the flexibility, even though there is flexibility with with RA um, and going into stores, it still just takes me away from the home a little bit more. And it's really easy to just hold my napping child while I'm while I'm sourcing online, you know, like it's just mm-hmm. it makes things a little simpler. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's and and it's it's real, though. Like, that's the thing. It's not even just this thing you see on Instagram or that doing this from home. It's it's legit that, you know, you, my wife can take a nap while I'm working and it it just worked. It works so good for us. It still works really good for us. Uh, my wife also is self-employed. She's I'm a flower farmer and she her work goes in seasons. So this is actually the busy season for that right now. And uh, in the off season, you know, I, I during Q4, she doesn't grow anything in the winter. So able to help that me a little bit well. more. <laughs> yeah. So um, so but yeah, I started with online arbitrage simply because I felt like it was just a better adjustment for the family. And since doing that only for about a year, I've worked into more a, l- a few wholesale, a little bit of RA, but I stopped there. I haven't done private label or or branding, anything like that yet. Okay, great. So what about getting into coaching? How did you become a coach? What was that journey like? Yeah, so I have a, I have a group chat that I'm in with other uh, seven-figure sellers. And um, it's, not, it's not a mastermind. It's really just like if... If there's, um, we have someone that does a decent amount of eBay, um, someone that does a decent amount of wholesale, and then me and um, and a couple others, including Jessica Decker, are are heavy into into OA. And so, um, I mean, Jessica, Jessica just said, "Hey, if ever anybody here wants to do coaching, just let me know." And I I, I took the bait, and uh, <laughs> and you know, it's it's another stream of income. Um, it's another thing that I can do as many hours as I want to. I could say no, no more clients for now, or just hang with my clients for a period of time. And so it's it matches the flexibility that I I'm looking for in whatever job that I do. And you know, I'm a I'm a teacher at heart. I mean, I prior to ministry, I taught English as a second language. I did GED courses for um for college dropouts and some international families that needed that wanted to get their GED. And I'm really comfortable with just talking with people and uh, you know, with with online arbitrage, especially, you know, I, I went from doing jobs where I'm always around people uh, to being by myself in a computer with my my kids and my wife, and um, there was a huge difference. And so I I honestly was was looking forward to the prospect of having having more conversations again. 
That's great. Yeah, I understand that. I'm in the same boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Robin used to do uh, ESL instruction as well. Mm-hmm. And, oh, really? Um, yeah. Has a little bit of background in that. And, you know, Robin's a very outgoing person. <laughs> and so when she started working from home, I could tell that was quite an adjustment. And so whenever she had someone on a session like this, she's like all into it, you know, <laughs> which is great. You know, you're getting the full, the full experience, right? <laughs> well, this is yeah. an experience. I'm sure some of my clients would tell you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, and I've learned like, you know, life goes in seasons and if anything, I think I, I push the people button too hard, you know, during a period of my life. And, and, you know, now that my kids are six, four and two, um, that's a time that, they do need a lot of time with me. They do need a lot of time with both their parents. And I can't, I don't have time for, for 10 friendships and and 10 close relationships to, to meet up with every week. And like, like a lot of my relationships are, I have a handful, but a lot of them are texting and messaging because it's just, it's time consuming with young kids. And so, so that was sweet for a season, but yeah, I, around that same time, you know, I found a group of guys to play basketball with and I, and I started coaching cause I told my wife, like, I need to get out again. Yeah. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> yep. That happens right. when you get cooped up for too long. True. Yeah. You know, True. So it, I, it was crazy that I kind of got used to it, but then um, I was just so glad when that was, when that was over and, and uh, normal, some, at least some form of the old, the old ways came back. <laughs> some of <laughs> yeah, them. Some of them. Yeah. <laughs> In some ways it'll never be the same, but that's okay. You know, I can't prove this out. I just saw it on a on a data tab of some website recently, but I'm sure there's some at least some morsel of truth to it, which is that we will spend 75% of all the time that we'll spend with our children, 75% of that happens before they're 12 years old. Mm. And then yeah. you don't realize how fast that can disappear. And so being able to have a business like this, where you can be at home and spend all that time during really the formative years, mm-hmm. so important. I'm really coming to appreciate that a lot more now that we've got two grandsons who are about yes. that same age too, where it's like now, and if, if the parents get 75% of the time and grandparents get even less of that. So we are really, you know, <laughs> trying to absorb as much of that as we can. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the beauty of Amazon. And, you know, I love talking to a few of my students that, they have kids, um, some even a little bit older that can help more than mine. Like mine, the extent that they can help is occasionally when I've gotten a big, like there was a big uh, clearance of of one of the wholesalers I was with and we got several things that there were a hundred units of, and it was just a bunch of stickering. Mm-hmm. And so my six and four-year-old could do that and that was fine. But typically all they can do is they pop extra bubble mailers that I bubble, whatever you call oh, it, when you, that you send yeah. in. Yeah. And so they'll, I'll just throw all the extra ones out there and say, I'll give you each a dollar. You all get to jump and pop all these. Um, and, <laughs> yes. And so that's, boys would but, love that too. <laughs> yeah. And so, but with some of my students that have older, older kids, then, um, I mean, they absolutely can play a big part in prep. You know, I haven't, I don't know, I'm not an accountant. I don't know log- the logistics of it, but um, there's ways you can pay your kids before they're 14. You can, um, if they're yours, you can't, I'm not endorsing child labor here. <laughs> no child but, labor here. <laughs> but, but with your but with your kids, like you are able to pay them, and it is a tax write off. And um, I'm looking forward to being able to do that, where you can even throw money just in, into a 
you know, a, an account for them that they don't touch till they're 18. And that's a tax write-off, but they're literally working and helping. And uh, it's just, that's just the type of opportunities that that Amazon can provide, let alone just like that, you know, when, I, when I'm in here, and so I, I do a lot of self-prep and I have preppers, but like when they're here, it's it's me, maybe it's my mom, my mother-in-law, and we're all we're all in the same like most of it's in this office here, but then the doors are open and some of us are out there and it's it's basically like I've even we've even watched the kids while we've been prepping because mm-hmm. it's just it's able to work like that. And it's yeah. and yeah, the, the time is fleeting. Like I'm not gonna get this forever, but you know, I wanna I wanna capitalize on both Amazon and and the success while I can have it here. Um, we never know what's going to happen five, 10 years down the road, but right now is a great time for Amazon. And then in five, 10 years down the road, my kids might not want to spend as much time as they do now with me. So I need to capitalize on that too. No doubt. That is absolutely true. And I love to see people getting their families involved. And when they have, you know, whatever the age the children are, like you said, they can put stickers on or, you know, I have people who say, okay, go look at this list of ASINs and do the three-step check and tell me which ones are testable. Depending on the age and the ability to do that kind of thing, it is truly a way to teach a child something that they can do hands-on that doesn't have to Mm -hmm. feel like I'm in school and I have to memorize this stuff. But they learn so much that they really don't usually learn in school about business. When they see you doing business and you let them be involved in that. I I love seeing that. Yeah. My for my six year old, I can't wait till he's a couple years older because he's already wanting to sell his own things. Like he'll we get these like sewing kits and he'll sew it together and he says, I'm gonna sell this to make some money. And it's like, well <laughs> I love that. you know, I think grandma might buy that for a couple bucks from you. <laughs> but you know, like if we if he ever gets into like inventions and things like man, I would love to do a private label thing with him and just like Hey, let's just see if we can make this work, man. Yeah. But you can just see his brain turning and, and understanding things that probably most six-year-olds don't just because he can physically see the work. And, and you know, when they ask me like, hey, like, why are you like, hey, why did you work extra this time? It's like, hey, well, we're going to Disney next week, right? Like, I, I'm going to send in some extra things, helps pay for our trip. And instead of just, you know, hey, where's dad? Well, dad's gone. He's just, he's working. He's making money and you, they don't see it. And so they don't, they don't really know, but I think literally the concept of of what I do and why I have to work is is so tangible for them. Mm-hmm. That's lovely. Yeah. yeah. So we digress a little bit. So <laughs> Jessica reaches out. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, yeah, I'll do it. And and so wh- how long ago was that? Uh, I think it was Q4 last year, like okay. November, December. I, I think I got my first clients a little before Christmas. Okay, great. And so are you coaching on the same... Uh, strategies that you uh, execute today? So wholesale, OA, a little bit of RA? Yeah. So that's most of them. I know I think Matt Thompson in the coaching program knows that I, I arbitrage is what I do. And I believe everybody that works with me knows that's what I do. Um, there's some that do want to do a little bit beyond that. Um, some do want to lean heavier into wholesale. You know, what would work for the coaching program is that you do get two coaches. And so I have someone that I'm the proactive coach and the reactive coach is Michael, who you talked about, who talked with last week or last month. And it's great because I showed him all my arbitrage stuff and Michael showed him some of his outlet sourcing. Mm-hmm. He happens to live next door to a tons of tons of outlets. And so he gravitates more towards that. And so, so it's great how, how most of my clients, yeah, they do a lot of RA away with a little bit of wholesale. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly for me, it's it's online arbitrage, and that's what I what I start with. But really, it's just I've done it all. I've done a piece of it all. I especially the past six months, I do a lot more in store. I've tried to just add that to my wheelhouse of things. And really, I encourage clients, you know, try everything, do everything and uh, see what clicks for you. OA has clicked for me more than anything else. And that's why I just go heavy into it. But if it's something else for you, absolutely dive down and, and we'll all go down there with you. Yeah, I think that is one of the maybe unsung uh, heroic parts of the coaching program is that you get this mastermind mm-hmm. um, with if you're a coaching client, you get the mastermind with, um, if you've got a business partner, first of all, mm-hmm. then your proactive coach, your reactive coach. And not that any of us will ever be together at the same time, unless we meet up at a conference or something, but, um, just being able to get the different perspectives can be so valuable. Mm-hmm. And I can tell when a, when a client is really getting into it, cause they're leveraging everyone around them for that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I don't see why not, right. If, if you're going to take that investment towards coaching, And if you ask someone like, hey, what's your opinion on the current state of Amazon and what's going to happen the next couple of years, you'll get a different answer from every single person. And really what you need to do is ask that, ask that to everybody and then take in what they said and see what speaks to you and and try it and test it out. And, you know, what works for me here in Cincinnati, Ohio, and, you know, I do have a few good RA stores here that might not work for someone that's in, that's in New York City or Mm -hmm. in um, in a more rural area, or and maybe if you do live next door to outlets, maybe you shouldn't even entertain OA. Man, go to those outlets first. And if you're the only one in town that goes there that sells on Amazon, uh, I mean, it, it's you can make a killing. And so, yeah, ask everybody, get everybody's input on it, and then and do what do what works for your specific situation. I agree. I tell people the same thing. We have so many sources of advice available to us in this community. Use them all. Listen to everybody. Nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. We have different opinions and different things that have worked for us than others. But then you can take all that and make it your own. And I feel like that's what makes room for all of us, because each of us have taken our own little twist on all of that that we've been exposed to. And then we all have something something more to give to the community and to our own businesses and each other. Yeah, what you were talking about is something we heard recently from Larry and Sue, which is like, yeah. what do you have in your hand, right? Yes. What do you have in your hand? For you, Grant, I'm going to say you got jungle gyms in your hand, yes. right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I um, So I actually went there. I went there last week. I have not done a deep dive sourcing there, but I messaged somebody. I was like... Hey, have you all like there's a there's a group of Cincinnati sellers that that we message. And when I was in there, I said, Have am I sourced here before? And um someone said I did, and I was very overwhelmed, and then I left. Um and so <laughs> it is it is a big, overwhelming mm-hmm. place. We got next last time we mentioned it on a podcast, people were messages, what's jungle gyms? Where yeah. <laughs> I think I don't know, is that the only one? The one in Cincinnati? There's two, but they're both in Ohio here. Okay. I think one's in Fairfield, Ohio, and one's in Cincinnati. And mm-hmm. I mean, the store is, I mean, it's bigger than a, a Meyer if you've been in it. It's bigger yep. than a super Walmart. And uh, they have a lot of like local foods. And so, but yeah, like that's a that's a great example that there's, there's jungle gym like places everywhere, you know, and, and I don't do this well enough, but I tell everybody is if you, if you know some mom and pop stores that are near mm-hmm. you, like especially if you have some type of relationship with with the people or people in the area. Yeah. Man, if you go into any store and you walk in there and you say, hey, um, my name's Grant. 
I'm a bulk buyer. Do you mind if I just take some pictures, look around, see if there's anything I might want to buy in bulk from you? In the days of post-COVID, when most of these stores are struggling, they're not going to say no. And then you have access to a whole bunch of products that, that there's a good chance I don't have access to, and neither do a lot of other sellers. And I love that, just the way you phrased it. I'm a bulk buyer. Mm-hmm. That sets the tone for everything. And there's no no more questions you have to answer about that, right? Mm-hmm. It, like it. it has a lot of things built into it. And it says a lot. And like if you're doing the outlet stores, right? When you walk in and someone's there telling you what the deal is and you're like, great, I'm a bulk buyer. Are there any limits or anything that's off limits or anything like that? Goes mm-hmm. a long way. Then like people will go get carts for us and help us out. Right. Oh, can mm-hmm. I put some more of these in your cart? Mm-hmm. You know, can I order something can for I, you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I love setting the table like that. That's a great approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think people are, and I understand why. Like there's some, there's some places that, you know, I'm I'm not gonna share that I'm a, a reseller if I know that that they're not. But at the same time, like when you're open to to having that conversation and when you maybe slowly into it. And if you, if you say you're a bulk buyer and they get a little bit of a frown, like, well, don't, you know, you don't need to tell them more than that. But if they're interested, they start talking, tell them what to do. We had, we recently had um, our driveway redone and I talked with the, it was when everything was done, I talked with the owner of it and just telling him like what I did, like why we needed the, basically we converted our garage into living space. This is, this used to be a garage. This is, this is normal living space now. And we had to redo our driveway is what the the township said. And um, at the end of it, I told him what I did. And he said, Hey, I actually know a guy that he has like just a ton of discounted Nike stuff, just like at his house. He's like a rep. He used to work with this company. Now he does this. And like, he gets tons, can get me tons of deals. And so he, after I left him a review, he connected me with him and I'm meeting up with him next week. And so it's, it's one of those things of just, um, you know, don't be afraid to tell people what you do. Don't be afraid to if you're comfortable going into these stores and, you know, asking like, Hey, I am a bulk buyer, which I really like this product, but Hey, if this was like 10% off, I could get, I buy a hundred of these and being able to ask those, those questions. I mean, that sets you apart from, from others. I think that's one of the reasons that the, the smaller ethnic stores do are so such a gold mine for us or potential gold mines because they are mm-hmm. family owned. You're mm-hmm. usually talking to the owner or the business partner when you walk in and have that conversation, as opposed to going into any big box store. You'd be lucky if you mm-hmm. can track down a manager, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And it'll be a different one every time. Yeah. So yeah, that's some good hints there. What what other things do you get from your clients that that you talk about or questions that you think are common that you answer? I hear all the time um, people that, and sometimes it's it's a brand new student, and sometimes it's a student that that has been there for a while, but they get stuck at about ten thousand a month in sales. That seems like the common somewhere around that time. Them doing it solo, that's about the wall they hit, and I don't think that's uncommon. And I agree with that. And it's around that time, you know, you start thinking like, well, you know, I'm not making a ton of money. So I don't know if I can fork over money for a virtual assistant. I don't know if I can go and I can pay for a prep center or, or prep help. And, and you know, I do think that outsourcing is a, is a huge thing and there is a time to outsource everything. But I do think the first thing that everybody needs to do is you need to, you need to evaluate what you have. You need to try to see what systems you have now. What systems can you make better? What can you do just a little bit faster? What can you do, you know, what can you organize better to save you time? And then once you do that, 
suddenly you get past that 10,000 mark and then suddenly it, the profit opens up and it makes more sense to outsource. And then, then things really fly off. But, but just that conversation and, and what it is you need to tweak and what it is you need to outsource is different for every person. But the going from the solo to 10,000 to 10,000 and beyond, that's, that is a very, that's a very difficult time. And, and where I think a lot of sellers stop or at least stop scaling because it is hard and it's it's frustrating to to work you know near full time for for that amount of sales it is probably not full time income but it's that once you get that push past that um that's where it just becomes possible to make this what you do and all you do we like to say at that point you go from working in your business to working on your business and so mm-hmm. if you have any inefficiencies at that level and you don't address them there they just exacerbate themselves when that growth happens mm-hmm. so if yeah. you're if you're inefficient in your, you know, prep and ship because you're doing it yourself and you're going to scale that or, you know, continue to grow, that is only going to get worse, right? Mm-hmm. If you, mm-hmm. if you're, uh, I don't know, inbound transportation is high because you sell a lot of large items and you're trying to maximize your profit. If you don't address that, then you're going to continue to have that problem for, uh, as you grow. So I love what you're yeah, saying. That's a great there. example. Yeah. So that's a that's a great level um, to be at where you're at 10k and you're like, Rob, I remember so like it was yesterday. We had the same <laughs> conversation with my with our at the time I was doing coaching and I was like to my coach, like, okay, w- we just did twelve thousand, but we are breaking our backs. Like, I don't know how we're going to get any bigger than this, right? And and I've told the story before, but my coach said, Do you have many people would die for you know a ten thousand dollar a month Amazon business? <laughs> This is where now you start to scale and start outsourcing some mm-hmm. stuff. And fortunately, you know, we, we just figured it out as we were going, you know, to make that happen. And it did happen. And once you get, once you let go of some stuff, things can happen much faster because you are ten. You tend to be the the bottleneck in your yeah. own business. We still have to remember yeah. that we tend yeah. to be the bottleneck in our own business. We got to <laughs> let go. Yes, mistakes are going to be made, <laughs> but you're growing so much larger that those mistakes become much smaller impact than mm-hmm. they would be if you're trying to do it all yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in, in there's with like, with like prepping, for example, you know, I mean, that's something that for me, that was the first initial thing that was kind of hard to let go. Um, because you're, when I first outsourced, I outsourced to a prep center and you literally don't see anything, you know, mm-hmm. there's, 25, 30 people at this prep center, you don't know, hey, is this somebody going to get my stuff and all these these fears on, on those things. And then for me personally, when I was around 15,000 in sales is when I got both a VA to start sourcing for me and I got a prep center. And I remember my $10,000 month right before I was working probably 30 hours a week. When I did like twenty five thousand the following month with a prep center to VA, I was I worked under twenty hours that week, mm-hmm. and it blew my mind that I didn't. Ha- I was like, I don't. I guess I'll just go source again. Like everything's <laughs> done, you know. And that was just a big lightful bulb for me of just the power of outsourcing. And and I think it's important to keep in mind too that it's especially if you send things fulfilled by Amazon, it's delayed, right? Like you're putting in like, like, and I feel this, I'm feeling this right now. We've, because I've started to RA, like I've sent out some really big shipments recently and my sales don't show it. It's because it's not going to show it for two more months. And if I consist and and if I, um, like my tendency is like, yeah, I don't know if this is worth doing all this RA, doing this extra stuff for this, 
But if I, for two months, plow down and keep sending in what I send, then I'll be sitting in two months saying, oh, okay, I'm finally seeing the results. And now I do know why I was doing that. So just not getting the, not getting disgruntled or um, frustrated with when knowing that the results aren't showing immediately, where it's just, it does take a couple months sometimes. There's always that two month lag. The big swings do seem to take longer to uh, have an impact, right? I think we get used to to the uh, more immediate gratification um, where mm-hmm. we like send, we're doing when we're just getting started. I'm going to send in 10 items. It's a small shipment. It gets in. Maybe you sell something inside of two weeks and you think, oh, wow, I can do I can make these you know, changes to my business pretty quickly. And the reality is at scale, it does take a little bit longer for those things to to impact. And uh, patience is key. Yeah, agreed. And I think this is a good time to talk about that. We talk about, oh, you know, when you get to 10,000, like that's just, you know, you turn over and that's what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Getting from zero to 10,000 is a big uphill climb. Mm -hmm. And the things that we're talking about here with outsourcing and stuff are after that. But that same thing applies when you first send in your first shipment, it's going to be six or eight weeks before you see anything back for that. And you mm-hmm. have to keep going every week, every week, every week before you see anything. That's very difficult for people. And the same principles apply there, which is why I brought that up then. But we're talking about when you get to $10,000 a month in sales and you're ready to outsource and in kind of scale from there, right? Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's the same thing. And it also, the reverse is true too, where I think it was last summer that because my wife was was busy and I was doing a lot more garden stuff, helping her, that my sales were really good. And I actually stopped working as much and I stopped putting as much in, even though I was having some really good months. And then it came October and I was like, where am I? Like my sales have dipped, like what is going on? And <laughs> and it was the same thing. It's because two months prior, I, I hadn't put in the work that I had four months prior. Mm-hmm. And I go and I look and I pull my, I have inventory lab and I pull my inventory valuation. I was like, oh my goodness, I just don't have very much. I don't have as much as I normally do in stock. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it works both ways. And so you, um, you can't get complacent with, with where you're at. And then like, man, this is nice. Like, you know, you see those pictures people post of them with their feet up on the beach, like man, yeah. automation. <laughs> yeah. Well, in two months, that automation is gone. Like you're, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's there's gonna be no sales if you just sit on the beach the whole time too. So, yeah, but it's absolutely true for for new sellers as well. That account reserve is a killer, and I hear a lot of people get frustrated. And it's this the line that sounds something along the lines of "Where's my money?" Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, there's there's sellers that have started with Amazon. You know, sometimes foreign sellers that are not selling correct products and they're selling counterfeit products. And Amazon has been burned in the past of paying them too soon. And because of that, we have to play by, we have to move as the slowest person can move, which means that Amazon isn't going to trust you for a couple of months until you show that your products are legit, until your customers don't return things. And and then it unlocks and um, you get more of your money back. But, But yeah, those first two, three months of it taking you forever to send in shipments, uh, it being you having to manually source and find everything for the first time and then not getting paid right away is so frustrating. But I mean, the solution is you just have to keep going and keep plowing through, feed the beast and send in inventory. And just the numbers, the numbers add up after that, if you keep doing the right things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Brian told me that when I first started, um, when he was showing me how to do everything is the one thing you can control 
is your shipments. How many shipments, how much is in your shipment? That's what you can control. Then the sales and the income and everything takes care of itself. But that's why those systems that you're talking about are important to get started as soon as possible. Figure out what you're doing every week, why you're doing it, and what's gonna what you can expect appropriately from that. I love this. Right. System. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So uh, we were talking a lot about the you know getting over that you know ten getting past the ten k sort of barrier. Mm-hmm. We we know from experience that a lot of folks struggle to get to that point. So. What do you, how do you address that situation with your clients where it's like, not only yeah, I sent some stuff in and I'm not getting my money back, but also it's hard. It's hard to find stuff. Yeah. 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 I think sometimes people too soon will, will want to get something like a virtual assistant to help them source, or they'll want to have a lead list to help them source. And, and the thing is you, you just have to get really, really good at sourcing. Mm-hmm. I think that's really what that comes down to is being able to, and, and not with tools, don't get arbitrage hero, don't get tactical arbitrage, don't, don't get any of these things. And I mean, I mean, for the record, I don't use any of those. Me and my virtual assistant, we just uh, manually source, reverse source, use Keepa and Keepa product finder. And mm-hmm. that, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all we do. We don't yeah. do any of the fancy things. And one, because I, I think that it's, it, if you do, if you can source really well like that, it has just as good a results as these tools, but really that's how you, that's how you find the things other people aren't finding. And yeah. so, but getting really good at, at sourcing, honestly, that solves, that solves all your problems because then it provides you the money to pay for the rest of your problems, right? If yep. you have inventory, I mean, that's really what it is. And so, and not just, you know, if you're, if you're doing a keeper product finder search and if you're going through or, or manually and you're going through 10,000 ASINs and you find five, that's not what I'm talking about. Like, I'm not saying, hey, just find some. Over time, you need to f- figure out where is the best way to find them? Mm-hmm. Where can I find the best, most ASINs per hour? What method is working for me? And then doing that and figuring out which one of those you can do really well. Because if you can find, you know, if you can find five ASINs a day, I love, it's what I talked about at conference, but if if you find five ASINs a day for 30 days, that's 150 ASINs, 150 active ASINs gets you over, over 10K. Exactly. Um, and it's, it sounds too simple. It's simple, but it's hard. You know, like it's, it's simple, but it takes a lot of work, but it's, it's, it is as simple as that. It really is. It really is. And totally agree with you on those numbers. We've seen it over and over and over. 100 ASINs, $10,000 to $15,000 a month in sales. If, you know, they're qualified ASINs, and then you have right. a book of business to work with. Then you can make it a better book of business, more profitable book of business, and a book of business that will pay for your outsourcing and things like that. But getting to that point is very important. Absolutely agree with that. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. We've talked about the challenges uh, to once you've got to 10K scaling and then sort of getting good at sourcing to get to 10K, the challenges of of doing the prep, maybe getting a VA, any other common questions or or, uh, angles, perspectives that you tend to share with your coaching clients? Just, I mean, and we kind of touched on this, but just you have to do something different. When you think about if anything that is for sale online everywhere in the United States that anybody in the um, entire U- US or outside the US could purchase that or send to a and send to a prep center and is always in stock 
those things are always going to be between zero and a dollar fifty profit. Yep. That's it. And so a lot of people like that's I mean, I see it in the Facebook group probably more than anything else, but I do see hear it from some of my clients too, of like, I know how to source, I'm I know how to find fast moving products, but there's no profit in anything. And it's because you have to venture away from that. And so it doesn't mean that like, I mean, there are some some things from Walmart that are available for everybody that, you know, um, that I can get, but I'd say probably most of those it's because maybe there's a supply chain issue, right? That it's, it's not always in stock. It just happens that my local Walmart, uh, has sells a lot of it or no one else around here likes it. I don't know. So maybe there's a supply chain issue. Uh, and you know, maybe it's a local thing. Uh, maybe it's something that, you know, like now everybody can get skyline chili everywhere. Mm-hmm. I do know for a fact that 10 years ago, that wasn't true and Walmart wasn't carrying it. And if I was in Cincinnati, I could have made a kill in selling that. I have relatives in Florida that like they, anytime someone came to Florida, they were supposed to bring them Skyline. And so those local things or doing the things that other people are not willing to do. Anytime I hear someone say, yeah, I don't do that because like that's hard or, you know, that's just a lot of hard work right there. That means that's an opportunity. If mm-hmm. if it's too hard for you to go in store and scan things, that's why retail arbitrage is more profitable than online arbitrage because it's harder to do. You don't want to drive 20 minutes to that outlet. That's fine. That's why outlets are more profitable than retail arbitrage at big box stores because it's harder to do. So find out that thing that other people aren't wanting to do that for some reason you can do, or maybe you want to do, like maybe you love that kind of shopping, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is, but find the things that other people don't want to do and aren't willing to do, find out how to make a system and do that really, really well. And, and, and there's your niche. There's, there's your gold mine for your business. Love that. Well, perfect. Said. Perfect. Great. Well, this has been awesome. Grant chatting with you about uh, how you got started and kind of what your approach is uh, as a coach in the uh, Jim Cockrum coaching program. You are currently accepting new clients, right? Yes. I will officially keep taking clients for a month after this podcast is released. Okay. So please don't release this in a year. Um, <laughs> I guarantee. Um, you know, we just did have conference. So I added a whole bunch of new students then. Um, but I, so if you are interested in coaching and you do want me to be your coach, sign up in the next month and, and I'll, I'll be here. And if, if you hear this later, you know, you can certainly ask and, sure. um, and I might say yes. So can't hurt to ask, right? Sure. Yeah. Grant and many other coaches are available to help if Grant's yeah. not available yeah. as well. But yeah, great coaching group here. So whether you can work with Grant uh, as your preference, that's great. If he's not available, yeah, lots of other resources. So Grant, really appreciate your time today. Um, I know we, uh, we we got going a little bit early this morning. We, yes. I was still on my first <laughs> cup of coffee, but appreciate you taking time out of your day and, and sharing with everyone um, from your heart. It really means a lot. Yeah, we yeah you're welcome. Thanks, you all. All right. This is Grant Douglas. Thanks for being on the show. We'll talk with you soon. Hey, thanks for joining us for today's show. Before I let you go, I've brought my friend Jeff Schick on the program once again. He always brings us great Amazon legal and policy tips and pointers. He always has some information that you're not going to hear anywhere else. It's worth <laughs> hanging out. Typically on Wednesday episodes, we love to drop this on you. And I've got Jeff here again today. Yeah. Welcome back, buddy. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on here. So. Yeah, today we're going to talk about everyone's least favorite topic once again, which is generic and misbranded ASIN suspensions. So um, I know we mentioned, I've mentioned this a couple times on the podcast, back in October is when we first started seeing this enforced. So that's the first time we saw people 
suspended for listing on generic and misbranded ASINs. And since then, it's been a growing trend. So back in October, we had five sellers suspended. Four of the five were reinstated. One of them was not. Uh, We'll talk about why that happened in a little bit, in a little bit. But then we saw that we went, Amazon went dark and we didn't see any more of these suspensions until June. And so around June 1st, we saw another five or so sellers get suspended for it. And then on July 1st, about another five to seven suspended as well. So they are actively enforcing it. And it's something that they do really tend to care about because unlike other suspensions where it's a fix-it suspension, misbranded ASIN suspensions fall under the fraud category. So they hit you with the book right out the bat and they say, your account's been deactivated under Section 3. Whereas a normal suspension that's like what I'd call a fix-it suspension is, hey, your account may be deactivated if you don't fix this issue and you've got 72 hours to write a plan of action. So these are actual account deactivations. They're deactivating people right out the the gate. There's no 72-hour warning. And they're saying, you know, we believe your account's been used to engage in fraudulent or deceptive conduct. And it's because you're selling on ASINs on the wrong uh, on the wrong brand. So what does that look like uh, from a seller perspective? Well, so far what we're seeing is people are we're selling on ASINs branded generic, and these are branded products. So again, you know, you know, I'll give an example. I've got this this box here of something I wanted to sell on Amazon, and of course my little blurring thing. It's a it is a, uh, a little a wall plug charger thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's an outlet. It's a smart Wi-Fi plug. You know, you plug a lamp into it, and that way you can use the Wi-Fi to turn it on and off. Well, the brand on it is actually TP Link. Now, anyone that's familiar with TP Link knows that they actually do sell sue sellers, so you have to be careful with selling their products, but. If I was going to sell it on Amazon, that you know the brand would be TP-Link. It would not be generic. Even if I'm not authorized to sell TP-Link, I don't go create an ASIN that says generic. I don't find somebody else who's created an ASIN that says generic. Similarly, the brand is TP-Link. I wouldn't do TP-Link all as one word. I wouldn't do T-P-Link. I wouldn't do T.P.Link or anything of, the, of that nature. It has to be correct or else uh, Amazon considers that a misbranded ASIN. Even if you're not the one setting up the ASIN, and this is what we want to emphasize, because especially for our new sellers in our community, we're teaching them the replens model, go sell against existing listings. They're already set up and have good momentum. Well, some of them, even though they look great on RevSeller and they look great on Keepa and you're excited, you're going to make some money, check the brand and make sure that the brand matches and 98% of the time it does, but there are some hot sellers out there that have been misbranded and it's a ticking time bomb to where Amazon Absolutely. comes in, finds everyone who's selling against it. It could be 50 or 70 sellers and you're thinking, oh, this is great. Look, we're all doing it. What could be wrong? Well, the brand complains and says they've got our brand wrong and Amazon comes in swinging the hammer pretty heavy, it sounds like. They do. And I, there's no rhyme or reason. You know, like I, one of the sellers brought it to my attention that he's, you know, he's suspended now. He's been suspended for a month for selling on the wrong brand ASIN. You know, for his, it was a paint product and the brand was listed as paint instead of the brand of the actual paint itself. And he's like, why is this happening? There's 80 sellers on the listing right now. And I said, I, I can't tell you why they didn't go after those other 80 sellers. But I can tell you that those sellers are definitely not in the clear because you know how they're going to handle it when they get caught. So it is a matter of time before 80 more sellers get deactivated for that very same ASIN that he, that you know our seller was on. And so the good news is is that back in October we did get everyone you know all but one person back up. 
there was it did take a range from you know about one to six months for people to come back up and it just you know amazon works at their own timeline as to what they feel when they feel like they've given enough punishment to somebody is my impression there's really no rhyme or reason why they take as long as they do or as short as they do but it's you know and every case manager is different for who the investigators that are reading those appeals but i can say that you know the one positive thing is that if you have good sourcing methods and you have a good supply chain verification then it makes the chances of reinstatement significantly better the seller who was shown the door was buying from bad wholesalers and so he was buying from bad wholesalers and amazon's attorneys basically came in and they said not only was he on the wrong listings but he was buying from bad sources so two strikes we'd have no confidence that your seller will add value to our platform in the future and so they decided to keep his account deactivated they did release his money so there was a semi happy ending there because under these section 3 suspensions amazon can hold your funds indefinitely but um we did at least get him his money back but yeah they were they did say you know we're we don't want you on our platform and it's and that's the sad reality is that you know a little you know 5 minutes extra due diligence when listing these products would have prevented a lifetime ban on amazon yeah, so make sure you're selling against good asins make sure you're buying from legitimate yeah. sources that the distributor would say yeah those guys are legit the brand right. would be happy to to hear that you're buying it from that source you know you want to stay legit there's right. so much legitimate opportunity i hate to see people kind of playing yeah. in these gray areas and getting burned it's just right. not necessary so well thank you for the great advice man we're going to do this again yeah. next week right sounds good awesome always appreciate you jeff talk to you soon All right. thank you see you Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit SilentJim.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.